Welcome to the Stockman Grass Farmer Podcast, where our mission is to help create a healthy planet and people through profitable grass-based livestock production. Grass farming is a 24-7 job and you can't always get away, so we've put together this podcast so that you can listen while you work or whatever you're doing, but always on your schedule, whenever and wherever you want. Be sure to check out the episode notes for links to freebies and special offers. Join our email family and stay up to date on our happenings and like us on social media. This is from the audiobook Land, Livestock, and Life, A Grazer's Guide to Finance, written by Alan Nation. Land and Livestock Ranching is an incredibly complex whole made up of a lot of separate businesses that you must be equally good at to make a profit. Here are just a few of those businesses. You have a forage production business. You have a genetics business. You have a real estate business. You have a livestock marketing business. What we are seeing in studying the innovators among us is that the ones who are the most successful, the fastest, are the ones who tackle only one of these businesses at a time. I believe this is the reason why some people can own land and make money leasing it to others, but can't make money owning their own cattle. It's why some people can own cattle and make money leasing land, but can't make money owning it. It's why some people can make money growing and selling hay to others, but lose their shirts trying to make it for themselves. It's why some people can sell gain for 32 cents a pound and make more money per head than the average of people who own the cattle. And it's why some people can pay 32 cents a pound and make more money than average people who grow calves for their own account. The reason we are a service economy in the USA is that specialization increases the efficiency of both the buyer and the seller of the service. The most successful among us appear to have figured this out. As uncomfortable as it may be, perhaps we should put a pencil to it as well. A great many North American ranches are incorporated as land and livestock companies. Even though many of us typically have more money invested in real estate than in livestock, few of us really understand the real estate business. Prior to the great grain price inflation of the early 1970s, Rural land prices were relatively closely tied to both the land's individual productivity and farm profitability in general. However, in the inflation-wracked 1970s, farm and ranch land began to be touted as a good inflation hedge for wealthy urbanites. Grain prices came down in the late 1970s, and farm and ranch land prices followed in the early 1980s. Many newcomers to real estate have ignored this big drop in farm real estate prices. Farm and ranch land prices are just now reapproaching the prices they brought in 1980. In some areas, they are still far below the peak reached in the early 1970s. Since the mid-1980s, the price of farmland has closely tracked the inflation rate of the urban economy and has risen slowly but steadily. Over the last 20 years, this increase in the value of farm and ranch land in the United States has been almost identical to the urban economy's annual inflation rate. In other words, 
the after-tax dollars put into farm and ranch real estate since the 1981 price collapse have maintained their purchasing power tax-free. It has been a good investment since 1981. However, the tie between land prices and its production that was severed in the early 1970s has never been rejoined. As a result, putting money into land ownership has been a terrible business decision as far as farm profitability is concerned. Land ownership has been a great investment, but a terrible business decision? Yes. This dichotomy can be seen in the fact that a ranch with no livestock on it brings virtually the same price as a profitable working ranch. As a result, very few ranches are sold to new owners as intact businesses. Typically, when ranches are liquidated, the cattle and productive assets are sold separate from the land. This separation reflects that farm and ranch land today is priced by urban values rather than rural economics. A survey by Texas A&M's Real Estate Center reported in the Noble Foundation's News and Views newsletter that rural land buyers value a property's hunting and fishing potential as seven to eight times more important than its agricultural productivity, and three times more important than its conversion potential to ranchettes or home sites. San Angelo goat and sheep consultant Bob Steger said West Texas was going through a significant shift from production agriculture to becoming a recreation area. He said, The last cheap land in America was being bid to ridiculous levels by urban hunters, and full-time ranchers were cashing out in droves. He said San Angelo's reputation as the sheep and goat capital of America may be in long-term jeopardy due to this shift in land use. Dalton Maddox agrees. He grazes sheep and sells real estate in Colorado City near San Angelo. He said the national slowing in real estate prices has not been felt in Texas yet. In 2006, he said pasture land in his area was selling for $150 an acre more than irrigated cropland. Irrigated cotton ground was $625 an acre, compared to $800 to $900 for pasture. Quote, There's only one buyer for irrigated cropland in our area. If you want to sell, you have to sell to him. If you've got pasture, you've got a lot more potential buyers. He said the big difference between today's land buyers and those in the 1980s is that today's buyers don't expect any income from the land. Quote, the bankers love these guys because the ranches are all paid for with off-farm income and are unaffected by drought and cattle cycles. Many of his current sales have been 1031 exchanges, and others are all cash sales from ranchers who have sold their ranches further east and have to reinvest quickly to avoid paying taxes. He said a lot of land east of San Angelo that sold for $40 to $50 an acre 10 years ago was now selling for $350 an acre. Quote, they come in and say, I have $800,000 to spend on land. They don't really care what you can grow on it. The Real Estate Center reported in 2006 you could take cropland valued at $4 to $850 an acre in north-central Texas and plant it to native grass pasture and more than double its appraised real estate value to $850 to $1,600. 
The report said that wildlife-friendly native grasses increased the value of a ranch by $50 to $200 an acre over improved varieties like Bermuda grass. However, putting in pasture of any kind doubled the value of cropland in north-central Texas. Unfortunately, most farmers and ranchers have not understood this huge shift in basic agricultural economics that a view of deer and quail add more value to land than cows, corn, or cotton is a very urban idea foreign to production-oriented farmers and ranchers. In our land and livestock businesses, the livestock portion of ranching is still about capturing free solar energy in plants and converting it into dense, high-protein human food. What has dramatically changed is the real estate side of the equation. The Argentine rule of thumb is that the value of the livestock and the value of the land to support those livestock should be roughly equal for a ranch to be a good business. This means that land should track the value of livestock and rise and fall in concert with it. This tie between land and production is the heart of a truly rural economy. In New Zealand, which is a rural economy, land is largely valued on the number of stock units it will carry. If you can double a property's stock-carrying capacity, you can double its appraised value. This is certainly not true in the USA and may never be the case again. However, the lack of correlation between income-earning potential and cost does not mean that owning a ranch will not be a good investment. The catch-22 of land ownership is that while farm and ranch land ownership can be a good investment vehicle for after-tax dollars, it is normally a very poor vehicle for generating those after-tax dollars. Dr. Arnold W. Oltman, an ag economist with North Carolina State, said that while deeded land ranches have been competitively profitable as urban investments, they are seldom competitively feasible as rural businesses. Business broker and author of A Basic Guide for Valuing a Company, Dr. Wilbur Yegg, estimates that the average annual return of land-extensive businesses seldom exceeds 3%. Not so surprising, then, is the fact that 3% is the average return of deeded ranches in the USA. In contrast, many ranches on leased land show double-digit returns equal to that of the best-run public corporations. Dave Pratt of Ranch Management Consultants in Fairfield, California, told me that in his most recent rancher benchmark survey, ranchers who were leasing 75% or more of the land they used were five times more profitable than ranchers owning 75% or more of the land they used. The lesson here is that if you want to make serious money in ranching, rent or lease. Rents live in the real world and are constrained by rural enterprise profitability and they go up and down in concert with the industry's overall profitability. In true rural environments, where all income comes solely from farming and ranching, land values are similarly constrained. But such economies are now extremely rare in North America. Thanks to better transportation and computer technology, almost all rural areas have people with urban-generated after-tax cash to invest. In the urban economy, rural land is valued primarily for its inflation-proofing value and recreation. As Utah ranch consultant Greg Simmons said of the wealthy, quote, 
They've got money. They want happiness. How much is too much to pay for happiness? Such urban values have allowed land prices to rise much faster than agricultural rents in all but the most remote and forbidding locations in the USA. Another major problem is that raw land has no depreciation tax subsidy, as do buildings and improvements. Land is classed as a non-depreciable investment, and non-depreciable investments normally require that they be purchased with after-tax dollars. In contrast, rent and lease payments are tax-deductible, and so can be paid out of the much larger pool of pre-tax cash flow. Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, said the only reason you would ever want to own real estate is because banks will loan money to buy it and will loan money against it. He describes real estate as a good place to park excess profits from a business. This protects the cash from inflation, and it can be borrowed out of the property if needed. Hope you're enjoying the presentation, and we'll jump right back in. But I wanted to first remind you to visit the show notes for freebies, deals, and more. While you're there, don't forget to join our email family to stay up to date on all the current events. Now back to the show. Using debt to buy assets that throw off cash flow is just smart business, Kiyosaki said in his book, Prophecy. First, you build a business, and then you buy real estate, he said. Getting this critical sequence backward lies at the heart of most agricultural finance problems. Kiyosaki said it's not only farmers and ranchers who don't understand the real estate business. Urbanites don't either. He said most people see buying a home as a good investment, whereas Kiyosaki said it is really one of your worst investments. His definition of an investment is something that returns cash to you on a regular basis. A home is a good investment to your lender. It's a liability to you. He said the way to tell if something is an investment or a liability was to follow the money flow. If cash flows to you, it's an investment. If it flows from you, it is a liability. This disconnect between the return and the value of an investment is not unusual in the urban economy. For example, the coupon from an investment-grade bond would not pay the interest and principal of a bank loan to purchase the bond. Many urban investors hold part of their wealth in gold and diamonds, which pay no return at all. In the urban economy, farm and ranch land is viewed similarly. If the money invested in the asset does nothing but hold its purchasing power over time, it is viewed as a good investment. However, all such investments require a source of surplus after-tax cash flow to be feasible. Similarly, stocks, bonds, diamonds, gold, and the land can increase in value over time due to unforeseen changes in the overall inflation and subsequent interest rate. This can result in minimally taxed long-term capital gains. The reason these gains are taxed at such a low rate is that the circumstances that produce these profits cannot be foreseen at the time of purchase. In other words, the risk is so high that it must be offset by a favorable taxing rate to get people to do it. Rental income is also tax-favored in the USA in that it is not subject to self-employment taxes as long as it is not your primary income source. 
However, farmers and ranchers are specifically excluded from paying themselves rent from a self-managed enterprise. Therefore, tax-wise, it is far better to be a landlord renting land to others than to be an owner of land in one's own enterprise. Under USA tax law, the highest taxes are paid on income from labor. These high taxes are why it is almost impossible to become wealthy without owning a business and or rent-generating tax-sheltered real estate assets. In 1973, when the American cattle industry went totally insane and declared war on their customers, my dad knew it was time to cut and run. He dumped the cattle, a dollar a pound, in most of the ranch for a small fortune, $4,000 an acre. Today, this land is appraised at only one-fourth the value per acre of what my father was able to sell the bulk of the ranch for 30 years ago. If I trace today's appraisal price back to the ranch's original purchase in 1954, I find that it has returned around 2% per year to its original purchase price before factoring in inflation. This is not the way to get rich. I am relating this to emphasize that buy and hold is probably no more appropriate a strategy in rural real estate than it is with cattle. I read that real estate exists in three states, fully valued, falling in value, recovering in value. It does not go up or down forever, nor does it stay the same. In other words, your farm or ranch real estate investment is every bit as cyclical as the cattle cycle, but the cycle is longer at 25 to 30 years. As with the cattle cycle, what is most important is to have some rough idea of where you are within that cycle. However, because most rural areas are now priced by urban values for the first time, the argument can also be made that this time it is different, and that rural land values no longer have to have a tie to agricultural income and can just go up forever. Keep in mind, this is the same argument made about internet stocks just a few years ago. The fact that rural land is priced so far above a real income floor price means that the risk in buying rural real estate at today's prices must be considered extremely high. The old saw about if it is too high to buy, it's too high to hold should be kept in mind. The general rules of the game. 1. If you want to make serious money in ranching, rent or lease. 2. Rent and lease payments are tax-deductible, and so can be paid out of the much larger pool of pre-tax cash flow. 3. Follow the money flow. If cash flows to you, it's an investment. If it flows from you, it's a liability. 4. Tax-wise, it is far better to be a landlord renting land to others than to be an owner of land in one's own enterprise. 5. It is more tax-efficient to borrow the capital gains out of a real estate investment than to sell it. 6. Today's urban economy real estate is a buy-rent-borrow business. 7. Understanding and keeping the roles of land and livestock separate and in their correct order is absolutely essential to managing a ranch profitably in today's urban-based real estate economy. Additional Thoughts 15% of woody cover that is well distributed across the landscape can support substantial populations of bobwhite, turkey, and white-tailed deer. 
land with reasonably good quail or deer hunting can earn at least $2 per acre relatively easily through hunting lease income. If 15% woody coverage causes a whole property to earn $2 an acre, the woody coverage may actually be earning $13.33 an acre. It is difficult to net cash basis $13.13 per acre from a cow-calf enterprise over the long term on native range. Mike Porter, The Noble Foundation The unfair advantage wealthy people have is they never feel pressure to make money. They already have all the income they need. The poor man can become the wealthy man if he behaves as if he is already wealthy and scorns all investments that do not provide income. Richard Russell People don't want to hear anything that requires them to change their minds. They are looking for a shortcut or secret passage to wealth. Ray Charon The prices of a few acres in the country are comparable to a postage stamp-sized building site in the suburbs. While we sit back and say you can't make money paying $2,000 to $10,000 per acre for ag land, they are buying a building site and an alternative lifestyle that may seem priceless to them. John D. Cox, Colorado Rancher. I hope you enjoyed this presentation. Well, check out the episode notes. And always remember the advice from cows and be outstanding in your field. See you next time.